0: Please be advised. This production has the following trigger warnings suicide, death, gun violence, and intense grief. Please listen responsibly. Thank you, and enjoy this episode of Sibylla, a DFTC audio drama. wellness Are you qualina's darling? Ecco, il league è Marcus.
1: Ad sumo go.
2: Salue bone.
1: Salue. Nomen mihi Marcus est. It's nice to meet you. I'm certain my friend mentioned me.
2: Oh, so a friend.
1: Yes. A friend.
2: Oh, I see. I see. Well, ignore that. Your friend here is a real laugh, isn't he?
1: He certainly is.
2: I certainly found him to be quite entertaining. He talked my ear off about you while we were walking here. He mentioned you have a proposition for me?
1: Proposition is a rather strong word.
2: Oh, go on, good man. Just tell me.
1: It's quite simple enough. As Quintus told you, we've been traveling for a while now, and we're rather tired. We're looking for a place to stay nearby, somewhere with a lot of people, crowded. Do you have any recommendations? We'd greatly appreciate any advice you can offer. We'll pay you, too.
2: Ah, uh, I'm afraid not. I'm not familiar with the city. I'm traveling south now. Oh, where to? Pompeii.
1: Pompeii? Marcus?
2: Yes, Pompeii. I'm heading there to visit an old friend. I haven't seen him in years.
1: Marcus? Interesting. Could you tell me more? John!
2: Gone?
1: Would you please give us a moment? Nate. What have I always told you? Never use my real name.
0: I know, I know. I'm sorry. I panicked. He said Pompey, and I freaked out for a moment. I don't know. I panicked.
1: Take a deep breath. (sighs) We can discuss Pompey later. We need to see if he knows any information about where...
0: I know, I know. The conspiracy. But, John, he said Pompey. We can't ignore that.
1: We're going to have to. Let me handle this. I'm sorry about that.
0: It's more than
2: alright. As I was saying, I'm heading to Pompeii now to visit a good friend of mine. I should get there in about three days, if I'm lucky. I didn't even want to travel that far in the first place. No, Gaius, I said, don't make me trudge all the way south just to see your ugly face. But he kept prattling on about how beautiful it is this time of year, and I just thought...
0: It's not. It's ugly this time of year. I've seen it myself. Quintus? It is. Wait, no, I mean, it's. Oh, that lying cheat.
2: I always knew he was a liar. Ever since we were boys, he'd tell the most ridiculous tales. He's the type of man who would say a bronze coin is made out of gold. He'll never change. <sighs> Very well, then, we discussed whether or not we should meet in Ostia instead. So I think I'll send him a message to meet me there. Besides, my Bella would be quite upset with me if I was gone for too long.
1: Bella? Your wife?
2: No, my goat, but she nags me just as much. (laughs) Now, what is it we were discussing? Oh, your proposition.
1: Never mind that. We need to go now. Thank you for your time.
0: Oh, of course, my good man. Thank you. Goodbye. John, I'm so, so sorry. I don't know why I said that.
1: Don't apologize, Nate.
0: Oh, God, I've really messed up this time. I'm so sorry, John. I don't know why I did that.
1: It's okay. You did nothing wrong.
0: What if I messed everything up? What if I've changed everything? Oh, God, what if I've completely changed the future?
1: Calm down, Nate. It's all right, really. You haven't messed up anything. It was just a mistake, right?
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mistakes happen. They're bound to. Nothing will change, okay? Just, Just think about it. We're here in Rome, in 79 AD, because of a perfect, controllable portal to the past. One that's outside our concept of reality, unaffected by our concepts of space and time. And if something's outside our concept of space and time, if something exists entirely separate from it, then wouldn't making a slight offhand comment in the past mean that the future is perfectly fine? But! I've done this job for a year now, since the very beginning of this whole operation, and I've never seen anything drastic change because of an offhand comment. Don't worry about it. Let me handle interviewing people from now on. <laughs> What's so funny about that?
0: What did you do this weekend?
1: Reread the Aeneid.
0: The Aeneid? John, get better taste. The Aeneid is... A truly moving epic poem, Virgil's heart-tearing deliberation into... Oh, come
1: on. I don't sound like that.
0: You do. You totally do. Of course, you'd spend your time reading the Aeneid instead of going out.
1: The Aeneid is good. You're just obsessed with the Iliad. And I go out.
0: Yeah, I'm obsessed with it because Homer's way better than Virgil. And you, going out? I thought you only hang out with me. I'm jealous, John.
1: Well, it's been difficult to get out lately. You know, what with work ramping up and and training you.
0: Oh, so I'm
1: to blame for your lack of friends. Oh, come on. You, You know I don't mean that. I'm just busy right now. I don't have a lot of time for people.
0: And yet, you spend all day every day talking to them.
1: Well, that's my job. It's easy to talk to people when you know they're dead. That's a little bit dark, don't you think? You know what I mean. It's just, sometimes. It's difficult to relate to people back there. You know what it's like.
0: Can't say I do. I talk to people fine.
1: I can talk to people fine. I I mean, well, I mean, no one understands our jobs. It's difficult to introduce yourself to someone and have them go, So what do you do? you stand there awkwardly and say, ah. Well, I'm a time traveler. <laughs> I go back in time and interview people to collect first-hand, previously unverifiable historical information. Because there's a rift in our reality that created a perfect, controllable portal to the past, and by some stroke of luck, ancient Rome has been deemed the safest time period to study without changing the future. And you stand there and smile at them, waiting for their response. And they stand there and gaze at you blankly. You can tell they don't understand and then they ask the worst question of all. What's it like to go back? And you, you can't explain it. Words fail. So then you're just two people who don't understand each other, trying to make small talk, but you know, and they know, that the two of you will never understand each other, no matter what you do. So what's the point in trying to make them?
0: The point is so that you're not alone.
1: (laughs) You get used to it after a while.
0: Do you? Yes. You know, I was just joking, John. I think you're great at talking to people. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I didn't want to make you uncomfortable.
1: Don't stress about it, Nate. Let's find someone else to ask about the Vespasian Conspirators before they bring us back, okay?
0: Okay. I'm sorry still.
1: Nate, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Let's just find someone else. You know what to do?
0: Yes. Find someone, tell them the proposition, bring them here to meet you. See you soon.
1: I'll see you. Oh, and Nate. Don't worry about me. Really. Okay?
0: I'll always worry about you, Drawn. You're my friend.
2: time are they supposed to get back? Marianne? Marianne, what time are they supposed to get back? Marianne? Marianne? Marianne! Monitor. What? Oh, duh. Yeah. Why didn't you say that earlier? Because every day for the
4: past year at 12.20 exactly, you've asked me, Marianne, what time do they get back? And every day I've said, 12.30, Chris. And every day you've said, oh, duh, I forgot. So one day I went, Chris, why don't you write a reminder on your monitor? And you said, good idea, Marianne. Then you did it. Yet still, every day for the past three months, save for the weekends, when I don't have to see you, you've asked me the same question. So I thought, I'll just ignore her and hope she figures it out. But still, every day for the past week, you've pestered me instead of looking up at your goddamn monitor. So,
2: that's why I didn't say that earlier. Fair enough. Well, here's a question you've never heard before. What should we order for lunch?
4: I'm fine with anything.
2: Pizza? You know me too well.
4: Are they back yet? It's not 12.30 yet,
5: Vic. Can you call them for me? That's not really how it works. Then what's the point? What's the point in anything?
2: So it's official. Got served this morning. That's rough. Oh, hey, Jess, what's going on? Vic sent me on a
3: wild goose chase again, a papyrus fragment from 19 BCE that Virgil may or may not have written on. Good God.
2: Are you too busy with Papyrus to discuss pizza plans? Yes, dear. Oh, she called me dear. That means this is serious. Oh, come on. You only call me dear when you're stressed out.
3: Vic has been driving me up the walls lately. She's turned into the most demanding person ever since, well, you know. I'm sorry, but she'll get better. Vic's just like that. Do you need any help? No, I got it. It's my work. I should do it. I just got to bear it a little longer. Anyway, I gotta go. Are you too busy for a kiss? Now I gotta go. I'll see you,
4: champ. You two are cute.
2: Aren't we? Vic works her way too hard. It's hard work? It shouldn't be so hard that you can't even respond to a pizza request. It's just Vic. She's been crazy lately. Well, no. I mean, yes, that, but... I mean, I could never go around chasing lost poetry fragments and reading books upon books upon books. My god, Marianne, you don't even know how many books there are in an apartment. Jess is constantly reading some book about some ancient dude I've never heard of. But she's amazing. She's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. It's just Vic. She's driving Jess crazy. She's constantly stressed or on the verge of tears. The other night, I had to convince her to go to bed at 4am. But still, I feel bad for Vic. It's a rough situation. I don't. Oh, come on. She didn't deserve it.
4: It doesn't matter what she deserves. She should have done something, but she didn't. It's as simple as that.
2: You have a lot of opinions on
4: this? No. I just know how to balance work and home. She doesn't.
2: Not everyone can be you, Marianne. Kicking ass in quantum mechanics and changing diapers. All of my kids are out of diapers, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Um... Your kids. David, Lisa, and, uh, Julia? David, Lisa, Jody, and
4: Oliver. Oh, you should have seen them yesterday. It was Jody's sixth birthday, and she was so excited. When I got home, she kept telling me, Mom, Mom, I'm not a little baby anymore. And then David was being such a good older brother. He spent the whole day teaching her how to write quantum mechanics just to surprise me. And then Lisa and I were- Guess it's time. Ready? Ready. Recalculating to 12.30, Friday, September 6th, 2030. Recalculated, they're in position. Let's bring them back in three, two, one, go. Go.
0: I'm telling you, I held them in my hand. They
1: were pure silver. But did you really hold them? Did you really feel them? Feel their weight?
0: Yes, and I'm telling you, pure
1: silver. How would a barber have pure silver, Nate?
0: I don't know. Maybe he's a super rich dude who decided to live a life of modesty as a humble barber. Stranger things have happened. Welcome back. Oh, hey, Chris. How's your Friday been?
2: Mind-numbingly boring. Hey. My numbingly boring, save for the stimulating conversations I just had with Marianne and Jess. We're thinking of ordering pizza?
0: That's the best news I've heard all day.
1: Forgetting something,
0: Nate? What?
1: Oh, God, it's Friday. Precisely.
0: <laughs> Can't Vic wait for us to finish lunch first, at least?
5: John, Nate, great to have you back amongst the living. Jess... Find the research on the... Yes, Vic. All right, gentlemen, if you two would step into my
2: office. And there's my cue to order lunch. Lunch break, Marianne?
0: You read my mind. Wait, Chris, before you go... Yeah? We're still on for Saturday? Of course. John, you want to come too?
1: No, thanks. I have plans already.
2: Uh, all right.
0: Then, Nate, guess it's just us. Great. I'll meet you, Jess, and Mr. Scraggles there. Mr. Scraggles? Yeah, uh, your dog?
2: Her name is Mrs. Scraggles, Nate. You were there when we
0: got her, remember? Oh yeah, Mrs. Scraggles, yes, yeah, um, how could I forget? (laughs) I'll see you there.
2: Uh, Okay. I'm going to go order lunch now. I'll see you. Marianne? Yeah, yeah.
5: All right, you two. Are you ready for our debriefing today? Be sure to tell me everything, leave nothing out.
1: Actually, we're having a bit of disagreement about the coinage we saw today. Could you give us a moment to discuss?
5: Oh, you can just tell me. I'm sure I'm more than capable at figuring it out.
1: It has to do with training. I want to see what Nate thinks first. How have him figure it out, you know?
5: Oh. Well then, I'll give you a moment. Come into my office when you're done. Fucking Mrs.
0: Scraggle's.
1: Nate, we don't know if
0: her dog was a boy before we left and now it's a girl. Nate. God damn it. God damn it. I should have never said that thing about Pompey.
1: <laughs> Nate, calm down. Take a deep breath. Let's think about this. I've been doing this job for a year now, right? And I've made plenty of mistakes while time-traveling. Plenty of screw-ups, mess-ups, fuck-ups that should have changed everything, but they didn't. But you know what we also mess up frequently? What? Our memory. Think about it, Nate. How many times have you walked into a room and forgotten why you walked there in the first place?
0: More often than I'd like to admit.
1: So don't you think that maybe, just maybe, you simply forgot that Mrs. Scraggles was a girl?
0: But I memorize things constantly. You're
1: fine. You probably just forgot. Go tell Vic about the data. I'll be there soon.
0: Okay. If you say so. Uh.
4: Mrs. Scrabble's home?
1: Huh? What?
4: You didn't think I'd notice, did you? Nate doesn't have a great poker face. He nearly pissed himself when Chris said Mrs. Scraggles.
1: He forgot. He got confused.
4: See, normally I'd accept that, but Nate was there when Chris adopted Mrs. Scraggles. I don't think he forgot that she was a girl.
1: He misspoke then. Mrs. is very close to Mr.
4: Don't bullshit me, John. He did something, didn't he? No. When you left this morning, Mrs. Scraggles was Mr. Scraggles, right?
1: I don't know. I don't really keep tabs on what dogs Chris and Jess have adopted.
4: Why are you lying to me?
1: Because he made a mistake. It was one mistake. A slip of the tongue, really. He just made an offhand comment about Pompeii. The world didn't end. Let's not dwell on it more.
4: So he made a mistake. But things changed anyway. John, this is very serious. You have to report this. He can't go back again.
1: I'm training him. I make the call about whether or not he stays. With all due respect, you can press your buttons and run your little time machine, but don't ever tell me how to do my job. I'm not going to report this. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's just a dog.
4: John, I'd like to remind you that I have a PhD in quantum physics, since you seem to have forgotten whom you're speaking to. You are a glorified actor with a classics MA whose only job is to collect first-hand information and report it back to Vic. If Nate can't do that without messing up, then this job's not for him. If he does it again, I'm going to report it. I don't want this program to get shut down after only one year due to his ineptitude.
1: He's not going to.
4: Make sure of it. You know, some of us have more important things to lose than a dog.
0: I'm so sorry I'm late, Vic. I slept in. I didn't hear my alarm. It's okay, Nate. Take a seat. Let's get started. Gentlemen, do you both remember the Kumaean Sibyl?
1: The Sibyline missions from when we first started? It was just a year ago. I'm quite familiar.
5: Oh, splendid. I've been thinking about them recently. The missions, I mean. So I decided to look through the Sibylline books we recovered, and I noticed something interesting written in the acrostics. You two do know what
0: acrostics are, right? My acrostic knowledge is... limited. Oh, fun! Then I get to explain. So,
5: acrostics are a technique used by poets such as Virgil, in which a writer hides a message in the first line of poetry. For example, in Book 6 of the Aeneid...
1: We get the point, Vic. What do the acrostics have to do with our mission?
5: The point is, I saw my name in the acrostics of the Sibylline books. Victoria. Victory. She's telling us something, and I believe me specifically. It was done intentionally. You see, the acrostics were in Greek originally, but they didn't mean anything. That is, until I transliterated it into the Latin alphabet. She was using the Greek alphabet, but purposely writing Latin words. Very clever girl.
0: But some of the letters in the Latin alphabet aren't in the Greek alphabet. How'd she write the V's for instance? Or the Q's?
3: That's the interesting thing. She used Epsilon for Vs, Kappas for Qs, and Cs, but when you make that connection, it does come out into distinguishable Latin words.
1: Oh, that's so cool. It could just be a coincidence. Victoria does mean victory as well.
5: It's not. It's not a coincidence. I can feel it.
1: So now we're doing research missions based off of a feeling.
5: Just listen to what we found, and you'll understand. The acrostics we have so far say just you know me so well. Anyway, they say, In victoria multa rabit mala murmura mixta. Now victory raves much, mixed evil murmurs. Pyrrhus profugiet fusca stigia impus ascia. Unfaithful Pyrrhus flees forth with his dark Stygian axe. Aeneas erator solus, Aeneas the wanderer alone. Then it cuts off. I'm not sure what the rest could be.
1: It's very interesting, but again, it could all just be a coincidence.
5: That's true, but nevertheless, the lines beg the questions. Why is Victory rabit, raving, out of her mind, speaking many murmurs? The Latin is ambiguous, Mixta could refer to Victoria or murmura. So is Victoria mixed, or the murmurs? And why would a force as powerful as victory be reduced to raving? What's the connection between Victoria, Pyrrhus, and Aeneas? The fall of Troy, obviously. The first two lines appear to be in Dactylic Hexameter, but I'm unsure about the rest. So then why would Pyrrhus and Aeneas be right after? Are these characters supposed to indicate Aeneas and Pyrrhus, or are they merely symbolic? What is Pyrrhus' dark Stygian axe? What is he running from? The Wanderer, why is Aeneas alone? If we recover more of the books, perhaps we'll find out what it all means. And maybe I'll be right in my feeling.
1: (sighs) Then how does this change our mission?
5: Both of you gentlemen are familiar with the Tarquinius Superbus and the Sibylline books, right?
0: I'm sorry Vic, I've always been more on the Greek side of things. Oh great, then I get to explain more. Oh god. So when the Cumaean
5: Sybil first came to the Tarquinius Superbus, he was the last king of Rome, but he didn't know that yet. She offered to sell him nine books of prophecy, which he refused at first, all at the high expense. In rage, she burnt three of them. She then offered him the remaining six for the same price, but he refused once more. In rage, she burnt another three. Realizing that he was witnessing the destruction of his very future, Tarquinius relented and bought the final three books at the price she originally stated. They were then passed down throughout Roman history, only to be consulted during times of great distress by the Decemvirus. Thank
1: you for the history, Weston Vic. Learned it in college. But again, how does this change our mission?
5: When she's going to Tarquinius Superbus, you're going to stop her. Tell her you're a wanderer looking to know your future. Ask to see the books. Then memorize the acrostics, bring them back, and we'll translate it. It has to mean something. It just has to.
1: Okay, so we go back, we memorize it, then what?
5: We try to interpret it. We try to see what she was talking about. If it's all a metaphor, then we have new academic findings regarding the Sibylline books. But if I'm right, and it was indeed a prophecy, we'll see if she was right in her predictions. But in the slim chance this prophecy was meant for us now, perhaps we try to stop it. In the present. To see if she was right. To see if prophecy is preventable. Or to see if it isn't.
0: But isn't
5: that a...
1: I see what you're saying. I think we should do it, Vic. John.
5: Fantastic. Tomorrow, you two will go to the Sybil and get those acrostics. I can't wait.
3: Great idea, Vic. I'll disperse dossiers when they get back.
5: Perfect. This is absolutely wonderful. John, Nate, thank you for your time. I'll see you two when you get back later today.
1: Sounds good. See ya, Vic. Where were you this morning? You nearly missed our meeting with Vic. I slept in on accident. You're not one to be late to meetings. I'm worried. Nate, you don't seem well. I'm fine. Something wrong? You seem off.
0: You want to know what's off? You lied to me.
1: What are you talking about?
0: You lied to me. You told me I just forgot. I didn't forget, John. How could I forget something I knew was real?
1: Nate. Calm down.
0: It's Mrs. Scraggles. That's why I was late. I keep having these dreams where everything's normal and then nothing's wrong, then I wake up and I remember fucking Mrs. Scraggles. She's getting to me, John. I looked her in the eyes on Saturday, and all I could see was Mr. Scraggles. I came to work that morning, and I knew he existed. I knew he did. You knew he did. We all knew he did. And then I I come back four hours later. Four hours later. And he... He doesn't exist anymore. He's not real. Like, someone took an eraser to everyone's memory and went... never going to see him again I can never I can never see him again and no one will ever know no one will ever remember he even existed except for us he, he's gone he's he lost forever he'll never come back
1: Nate he's just a dog
0: I'm not talking about him
1: I'm sorry it's okay.
0: No one knows. No one knows that that it was like that before.
1: It's unsettling. It's
0: horrible. It shouldn't have happened.
1: Sometimes things that we think are horrible, world-ending, in reality aren't as serious as we thought.
0: It doesn't matter if it's not serious. I changed reality. Everything's
1: different now. Nothing feels right. Listen, Nate. I want to apologize for lying to you earlier. I shouldn't have. It was wrong of me. But you were so worried and panicked. I thought if I lied, it would make you feel better. I didn't think it would change anything noticeable for you. I thought it would just be something subtle. Something you wouldn't pick up on. I'm sorry about that.
0: You knew, you knew things could change.
1: Yes, I did. I shouldn't have lied about it. It's just when I first started this job a year ago, I did something very similar. Vic was obsessed with the Indian then. She was convinced we could find the opening to the underworld at Kumai. I went there to talk to the Sybil, see what was going on. But when I got there, I accidentally mentioned that Tarquinius Superbus was dead. I was about a month off. It was a mistake, and I did it. I came back and something changed. Here didn't feel like here anymore. I didn't know what changed, but I could never shake the feeling that there was something very, very wrong. Then I found out my favorite coffee shop never had my go-to order on their menu. It, it never existed. Poof. Like that. It was gone from everyone's minds. An altered reality. It happens. It happens to the best of us. But it'll be okay, mate? Things will be weird for a bit, and then everything will go back to normal. It's disorienting and frightening, but you'll survive. I know I did.
0: But how, John? How do you just survive?
1: You try your best, Nate. Listen, if you're still this upset, why don't we just go back and fix what we did? It'll be like it never happened.
0: No, 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 no. What if it changes everything again? What are you talking about?
1: We're talking about our newest assignment.
4: You're talking about going back. You have a guilty conscience, Nate? What? I know what you did.
0: John, what the
1: hell? I didn't tell her. She figured it out.
0: Marianne, I'm so sorry.
1: You have nothing to apologize for. You made a mistake. We all make mistakes.
4: What did I say to you earlier? There's no such thing as a small mistake in a situation like this. You should have been much more cautious. This is what you're training to do you can't mess things up like this
0: i know i know i should just quit
4: i know
1: no nate you're not quitting marianne lay off him
4: no i won't this is blatantly unacceptable behavior he should quit
1: no he's not he's a great agent i'm not going to let you quit Nate.
4: john please stop why do you keep protecting
1: him because he and i are the same i've done the exact same thing before If what happened is so upsetting for both of you, why don't we go back to that shepherd and tell him to go to Pompeii? That it's lovely this time of year. That he'll have the best time of his life there. Then, everything can go back to normal and we can forget this ever happened.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not messing with the past again. It it should stay like that. Let's not make this worse.
1: Marianne, what do you think?
0: Well, you left yesterday. You went to the past. You came
4: back. Reality changed. You're in the wrong reality now. We have similar memories because not too much has been altered, so... Essentially, if you go back to the exact day and do the exact same things without talking to the shepherd, it's likely things will go back to the way it was. There's no guarantee you'll end up in the original timeline, but it will be much closer to what you knew. We'll go
0: back home?
1: Yeah, Nate. We'll reverse what we did. It'll be like it never happened.
0: Are you sure?
1: I've never been more sure of anything.
0: Okay.
4: Okay. Okay. Let's do it. When? It'll have to be after hours.
1: Tonight. Seven. We'll wait for Vic to leave. We'll gear up and track down that shepherd again.
4: John. I'm helping you on this because I want to make things right. I won't do this again. Do not take advantage of my generosity.
0: Marianne, thank
4: you so much. Don't thank me for fixing your mistake. I shouldn't have to. This never should have happened. What did you mean
0: earlier? What? You said we
1: were the same. I mean, I see a lot of myself in you. I think we're very similar people, Nate. You remind me of myself when I was your age. Because you said it like... Like what?
0: Like you wanted me to be
1: you. It was in the heat of the moment. It didn't mean anything. Listen, I respect you, Nate. I just want what's best for you.
0: And you think us going back to fix what we did is best?
1: Yes, I do.
0: I'm trusting you, John.
1: I want you to trust me. We can go back. We can change it. We can put everything back to normal. It'll be fine. You'll see.
0: Alright. I'm trusting you. I believe you.
1: Good. Let's get ready.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Sibylla, a DFTC audio drama. If you would like to support us in our mission of telling more positive queer stories, please consider donating to us on Venmo at DFTCUSC. Thank you.